God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. I thank you for the people that are in this room. I thank you, Lord, that uh, just the diversity, the, the variety of life that has come into this place. And I mean that just in the way that the worldview, the perspective, the experience, but also even the need, God. And um, I pray that all of us would come in here understanding that our need is far greater than we ever understand. And Lord, that you are the sole satisfaction for any need that we have. And Lord, you made a way for us to know hope, to know fulfillment, to know joy, to know peace, to know to, to exist in courage, Lord, regardless of circumstance, because of your redeeming work in Christ. And I also know that you have called us together. Parakaleo, you've called us t- together, Lord, to, to be a people, Lord, a people for you a people of your name, a people for your purpose. And so, Lord, just give us great unity there, Lord, as you lead the hearts and lives of these people. Lord, knit us together. Lord, I pray that we would exist here with the reality of your global church, the church of of all of your people, Lord, here in our community and around the world, and that we would work with that vision in mind. So, Lord, now as we just kind of come conversationally to this great command that Jesus left us with, Lord, I pray that it would be something that anchors and roots in us, God, and Lord, that it, it continues this work of transforming us, and Lord, that it brings fruit, your fruit, your God-glorifying and, and people redeeming fruit through Christ as we respond in kind. So we give you this time. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today's message is a little different than normal for, for the bridge. It's very conversational. Uh, Next week, we don't have church. We'll hear more about, about that in a little bit. Week after that, teaching on biblical eldership. And then the week after that, January 31st, we'll get back into teaching through the verse-by-verse Sermon on the Mount. So we'll do that for the rest of the spring. So we'll be, we'll be back to kind of what is familiar for us at the bridge then. But today, we're here. We're looking at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And let's just get to our text now. and We'll, we'll walk through it quickly and uh, hopefully just give us some good foundation and vision and we can run together from here. So here we go. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So let's, let's just start where we start. Let's start with verse 18. To make sure we recognize what's happening here, these are Jesus' last words to his disciples, to the 11, the 11 closest men that walked with him through his ministry, the 11 that were left. They were standing there. He had, he had been crucified and buried and risen from the dead and had walked for 40 days with them after his resurrection, and he, now he's about to leave them. He's about to ascend back into heaven. That's the setting here. These are his last words. So let's not forget why Jesus came in the first place. He, he came because God's creation, mankind, was in need. It was hopeless. They were in need. They needed a redeemer. They needed a savior. They could not fix themselves. They could not overcome the offense that they had committed against their creator, God, our creator, God. There was a judgment against them, 
and the old covenant was imperfect to redeem because no one could live up to it. And Jesus came to satisfy the law and to bring the new covenant to where instead of having to maintain righteousness by our works, he came to give us his righteousness by dying on our behalf. So Jesus came. He came into our world. Now just get this, okay? The world is broken because it did it to itself, right? It re- the world, the people, the people are broken because they rebelled. But just, just like you and I, they brought it on themselves, right? So Jesus did not require... God did not require that the world to fix itself even a little bit. He didn't say, hey, just, just at least, at least, you know, just stop doing that or at least stop saying that. He just said, hey, I'm coming because you can't do anything on your own. I'm coming because you can't. And so he didn't say change first. He sent Jesus. Jesus came into a world incarnated, meaning he took on flesh, experienced everything that we did. He became dependent on physical needs, even though he didn't have to. He faced temptation without sin. So he came into our world so that he could seek and save the lost. And so that was his mission, to bring God's redeeming work by his atoning sacrifice of his son, Jesus. That's why Jesus came. So that was his mission. So now he's come, he's crucified, he's been buried, he's been risen again. His mission has not stopped. There is still that need in the world, right? There's still that need. People are still needing to be redeemed and restored in Christ. But yet he's leaving. So what's happening here? He's passing on the mission. He's saying, okay, I'm going now, but what I've been doing, I am leaving to you. Now, he's speaking to 11 men right there. But it carries forward to all of the body of Christ for all of time thereafter. So if you're in this room... You've called on Christ. You've said, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior, and I know that Jesus is my only Savior. He died and rose again so that I would not have to, so I would not have to pay that price. If that's you, guess what? He's left that mission to you. So that's where we're at. That's what we're coming to. So the church, the body of Christ, those that have called on Christ as Savior are the supernatural strategy that God put into place to fulfill his work in this world. Do you hear that? Does that that stir you at all? Does it shake you up? Does it excite you? Does Does it shift your perspective on what life is about? Because it should. Again, like, there's so much in this world that we, we target and we aim at and we make goals for. And, and I'm not saying they're all bad. They're all probably good. But yet, we have to keep them in perspective of, of what matters most, and it is this mission. God has left this mission to us, and he said he did it. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And as he's done that, he is stating his deity. He's also stating the authority in which he is passing that mission on to us. And then he's also stating the authority in which we act under. He's not saying we become as authoritative as Christ, as God the Father, as the Holy Spirit. But what he's saying is that you will act in my authority. You will act with the same authority and power that I have because I am acting in you, through you, upon you. So again, think big today. Expand your view because this is what we're being left with. This is what Jesus left us with, and it's with all authority. So we do not have to fear. We'll come back to that. So Jesus is giving his command with his authority, and that authority makes his command also 
a promise. And we call this the Great Commission. This is what we call it. And it is. And this is, if you want to know your purpose in life, this is, as far as activity goes, as far as what you aim your life towards, this is it. Now, the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. These all come together. And these are all right there as your core purpose in this world. But this is called the Great Commission. As far as like the focal point of what you do, the focal point of your mission, it's given to you. Now, you get to wrap your flesh around it and express this through your personality, through your gifts, through your talents, through your affinities. But this is it. Man, we're in the intro. It's good. I get excited. This is so fun. For, I, I love this. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, let me just take a sip of water. I, uh, I was watching a guy preach on TV the other day, and I was making fun of all the rabbits he chases and some of the weird things he does. He was sitting there, and he got so excited. He was like, uh, and I was like, I, I never do that, but I may not do that, but I do other weird stuff. So anyway, um, Amber quietly and humbly reminded me of that. So it was sweet. It was, I pre- it was good. It's humbling. So. Well, cool. But hey, this is the Great Commission. This is the setting. It's Jesus passing on the mission to his people, and that's huge. So expand your view. So what is this final command? What is yours and my mandate? Well, first, we start with the, word, the first word there in verse 19, and it says, go. Simply go. So we are to live as sent people. Again, I hope you've heard this before. I hope you've heard it here before. We are to live as sent people. We have one purpose in this life, guys, and that is to love God and enjoy him forever, and in doing so, glorifying him so that he may draw mankind to himself as the gospel of Jesus is taken to the world and those who believe are redeemed. That's our purpose. Should I read that again? Should I say that again? This is it. You want to wrap your life around the Great Commission as a people who live as sent. We are to love God and enjoy him forever and in doing so, glorifying him so that he may draw mankind to himself as the gospel of Jesus is taken to the world and those who believe are redeemed. Jesus prayed this for his disciples just before he was arrested and later crucified. We see that in John 17, 15 through 18. It says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Then we see Paul Writing to the church in Rome, in Romans 15, 20 through 21, he says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Man, all of a sudden we have a purpose that is totally outside of ourselves. A selfless, all-encompassing, worldwide, global purpose. And it's huge. Our command and my prayer for us as a people would be that we live with with that posture, with this sent trajectory of our life. 
Like, I, I, I hope our prayer, and I think I've said this before in here, our hope, our prayer, I hope our prayer is not that we would be asking, you know, if, if, if we should go, but we should be constantly praying with this understanding of, hey, God, should, should I stay? And again, let me just tell you, like, the, the thought of, of the people in here being called out to go as the Lord leads, I don't know all of you, but those that I do, and I'm sure those that I don't, that's a heart-wrenching thought. Like, we, I've got some extremely close relationships. I've got some people that mean the world to me. But thinking about like us sending people out for the glory of God, sending people out for the gospel purpose in this world, whether it's through world missions, whether it's through church planting, whether it's through just other ways that God works, that's what we want to do. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But yet, I also know that God's going to call out the best the sharpest, the smartest, the ones who are intentional, those are the ones who are going to respond. Like, that's, that's heart-wrenching for me, personally and, and organizationally and missionally, like, to think about. But yet, that is, that is absolutely my prayer, that we would all live with this open-handed offering of our life, that we don't just seek to settle in and be comfortable and safe, but that we seek to be here, root in for today, love well, love richly, serve richly, fight for one another, fight with one another for their good, you know, build each other up, speak truth and love. I mean, all of that for every moment of every day until the Lord calls you out, but knowing that that day is always possible. Like, that's, that's our opportunity. That's what I pray that the, is one of the identities and markers of, of who we are as a people, so that we live as a sent people. It, 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 I cannot say enough. Like, it I look forward to the day that we send out our first group of people to plant a church, but I also dread it because I know that I just, oh, some people are going to be leaving that I just love, but that's exciting. And so I just want to let you into my little world a little bit, but, but to live as a sent people, to go, that's, that's first and foremost. And then next we see Jesus says, he says, go and make, go therefore and make disciples. So what does that mean to make disciples? disciples, because that kind of sounds, it kind of sounds impersonal or institutional or organizational or depending on your perspective, maybe even cultish, to go and bless you, to go and make disciples. So let's just quickly work to understand this. And we must first understand the context of of, of the world that Jesus was, was speaking into right now and living in to understand what this meant at the time. And, and what we know at the time is that there was, the, there was a tradition of the rabbis coming to, those, to, to looking at the, the Jewish males and going, and, he, and it was a great honor for him to walk up and say, follow me. He would say that. He would say, follow me. And this person would be elated, and they would just drop everything and walk with the rabbi. And it wasn't just like part-time, okay, a couple hours a day. Like their, their life became the rabbi's life, or the rabbi's life became their life. And they, they, they observed, and, they, and they, they participated with, and they shared life with, and it was relational, and it was intentional, and it was all-encompassing. It was time together. It was proximity. That's what it was. That, was making, that rabbi was making a disciple. That was the understanding. And so now... When, when Jesus takes this, he's taking it and he's applying it to not just rabbis, to, but to all the people, all those who have called on Christ. Again, all the people that have been made a people of God, all the people that have been brought into the priesthood of believers. He has taken it to them and he said, go and make disciples. So what he's saying is, go, come alongside 
people. Invest in them relational. Make your life become their life and their life become your life by, by becoming intertwined, by investing in. It's the making of a disciple. And when we think about what it is to make a disciple, when we think about discipleship, let me just say that it naturally assumes the reaching with the message of Christ, the reaching with the gospel. So we, again, sometimes if you've been around church, maybe you, you kind of associate discipleship with Bible study and information transfer. And that really, when we think about it, begins after someone you know, converts, as, as we would say, or I wouldn't say, but as is a popular term, but as someone surrenders their life to Christ and comes into that relationship and receives that new identity, we would, we would think of that's where discipleship starts. But to think about disciple making, which is why I kind of like that term, because it expands our view to the point of, I asked, I asked Ike probably almost two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, hey, Ike, what's your process of disciple making? And he gave me four Four broad points. I don't remember them at all. I remember, <laughs> but I do remember the gist of them, and that was the first three of them had nothing to do with teaching Scripture. It has stuff to do with, with connecting, investing time, caring for, getting to know. And then the fourth was, was the big bucket for all that it is to teach the first things of faith, to teach people about what it is to walk with Christ. But the first three led to conversion. And I love that picture. I was, it's funny because I was asking because I was wanting to flesh out a true process of walking alongside someone, but it was bigger than that. And so it was really, but that's a great picture. Disciple making begins just at the moment you enter into life with anybody in an intentional way. So we would define disciple making as this, an intentional and relational process in which we reach with the gospel of Jesus and equip and unleash the body of Christ for God's kingdom work. So to make a disciple, it is not to pursue world domination, but it is liberation. To make a disciple is to take the message of Jesus, the freeing, liberating, redeeming message of Jesus to that neighbor, to that start in your home, to your sister, to your dad, to your mom, to your spouse to your neighbor, to your coworker, to every bit of influence, anything you can garner, you live intentionally in that way. And as God allows and provides, you, you latch on to people for, what, for whatever season that is. And I'll tell you, think long term and think, uh, don't think like you're going to have 50 people that you're just, you know, you're discipling, whatever you want to say. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a process, and it's all-encompassing. But that's what we're, when we say to make disciples, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about living intentionally so we can take the gospel to where the light, where there is darkness, and then to see it through and walking alongside to the first things of faith and then equipping and then unleashing. So, again, in broad strokes today, we Gotta, it's fun. So let's keep going. Uh, so if we continue to read in verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so I already said, expand your view. Think big. It says to all nations. There are no limits to yours and my sentness. Is that a word? Sentness. There's no limits. Like again, like we we have such a small little sphere that we think is our whole world, but there's so much happening out there. Have you ever thought about like just what someone who lives in Iowa is doing right now? Like 
what are they doing right now? Like, they can't be having near as much fun as I am. Like, I, I, I always have, especially like when I think of places like that, I'm just like, it's got to be so much better here. Like, there's so much more purpose here. The sorry people in Iowa, if there's anyone from Iowa listening to this in any way, shape, or form, of course, you know, I don't mean this and I'm just ignorant. But, <laughs> but, but seriously, I kind of have these funny little thoughts sometimes of like, I mean, like, and it's, I, I'm thinking within our 50 states, like, what's it like in Rhode Island right now? Where do they, why would anybody choose to live in Delaware? Like, I, I think that stuff, and, but like, and it's because, my, because this is real to me. This is the only thing that makes sense to me because I see it, and I smell it, and I taste it, and I bump up against it. But we have to, again, understand that there is no limit to your and my sentness and it's the way that God desires to use us. And so we have to embrace that. I pray that we do. We kind of have this blank check mentality with our life. Like, here I am. It's like Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. So this command from God through Jesus is, is, is one of mission to us, and it's a global mandate. We see it in Acts 1.8. Again, Paul writing, or Luke recounting what Paul said, but he said, but you will receive, this is Jesus talking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Sumeria and to the end of the earth. And to give you just kind of an idea of what's happening here, what he's, what, what he's saying, if you, if you were familiar with the, uh, with the geography, he's starting out with the local, and he's expanding and expanding and expanding. And so for you and for me, we start, like I already said, we start with our house, and then we go to our neighbor, then we go to our coworker. We live intentionally to our city, to our state, to our country, to our continent, to the entire world. Again, you know, it's, it's interesting because... We also, I also emphasize, we emphasize a lot the importance of daily abiding, living faithfully day by day. And I will say this still with complete conviction that to live in that way, to live simply and work with your hands, all for the glory of God, to, to again, go through your day doing your job, taking care of your home, taking care of your affairs in a way that honors God and shows his love for people, that is the absolute core and foundation of every one of our calls, every one of our opportunities. That is going to be the way that God's glory is brought to this world by and large. So I do not want to diminish that. But at the same time, we need to, again, have this understanding to live our lives, again, saying this is it. Whatever. I'm going to do it today, but I'm yours. Let me go as you lead. And we have to keep this global need and work in view with all that we do. Again, be faithful in your little world, but don't let your little world be all that there is. So we want to stay connected with God's work in all of the world, his global work and his global, this global need. And, and so just again, since this is Vision Sunday, how long can we stay here today, guys? Um, oh, man. Uh, but thinking about what we want to do, how we want to do this, we want to be involved in global missions, um, local and global missions. We, we put 30% of our budget aside towards that through local global missions and church planting because, again, we want to our values and our, our, the way that we steward things to reflect those values and priorities. Right now, we have a couple of official uh, global partnerships, one, a church planting ministering the Lukers with, with the Lukers in Italy, which Italy is, is such a hard place to do ministry. It's less than 2% convictional Protestant Christian there. Um, and, and just 
just a great need, and they're doing great ministry, seeing great fruit and reaching people. We also have a partnership with, in Cuba, actually, with Justin's here today. Where's Justin at? So Justin is a missionary in Cuba. He was part of our, our, our core team and uh, felt the Lord calling him out to, to Cuba, and he's in Cuba full-time, but glad you're here today. Y'all get to know Cuba, get to know about Cuba. What'd you say? I said now. <laughs> yeah. He's not in Cuba now, just in case you're wondering. But we're partnered with ministry in Cuba, and we're working on how we can continue to the partnership. But being involved in short-term missions expands your view of, of what is happening in the world, and that only, uh, again, fortifies our courage and urgency for here and now. So we have those. We're working to develop more faithful partnerships. So let me just say this. I would love it for us this year to, to get three or four, three short-term trips planned and done. Um, how that happens is you guys. Lead out. Make them happen. Will's going to Haiti. If you want to go to Haiti, talk to Will. He's going to Haiti in a couple months. I don't know if he has any space left, but hey, talk to Will. Um, but again, it has, but it, that's how it happens, and we want to get, find ways to serve faithfully. There's a myriad of ways, and you guys will help us. So let's get on that. We want to be a part of that. Uh, but gospel mission is... It, we say this all the time, and this is why we say that it flows through you guys, because we would say that gospel mission is best experienced and expressed through the body of Christ, and not just through the organizational programming that the church provides, but that you guys, the heartbeat, the, 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 the church, are leading out and making that happen. So keep moving. Next, Jesus says we are to be baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And some real quick words on baptism. Again, we could do a whole message on baptism, but we're just going to do some quick, quick notes on it. Just thinking about what baptism is, some quick thoughts. Baptism is a testimony. We see in Romans 6, which we're not going to read, but it, Romans 6 shows us that just as Christ was buried, when we surrender our lives, our old self is buried. We die our, so that we were buried with Christ in our surrender, and the old self, the sinful, condemned self, dies with Christ as he laid down his life, took on our wrath. Then miraculously... We were raised with Christ to new life. Just as he was raised from the dead, we are raised to new life now in this world as those who are no longer condemned, but also to full eternity, which we have ahead, redeemed and made righteous in Christ. And so when you're baptized, it's that symbolizing, that's a testimony because you're saying when you go under the water as if you are being buried, that's the symbolism. And then when you come back out of the water as if you are being raised with Christ, that's, that's why we do baptism. We believe, we practice believer's baptism, which would mean that it is a testimony for those who have made a personal confession. So we encourage and exhort people to get baptized after they have made that personal profession of Christ. I would also say that baptism does not contribute to your salvation, but it is a testimony and a mark of obedience. Um, it also marks entry into the family of God, and that's really what I see a lot here, especially at the time that Jesus was making this command. Thinking about it, Christianity was not in vogue. It's not popular. It was not, there. up to this point, a Gentile would have been baptized when he converted to Judaism. And it was solely for that purpose, but now it's being expanded to all. All who believe will be baptized into the family of God. It's just not about becoming Jewish. It's about becoming in, in Christ. And so when you're baptizing, the people at the time, they will be making a very public profession of saying, I am leaving this old way of life. I am aligning with the way of Christ. I'm aligning with the people of God. So they were setting themselves 
out. They were marking themselves out by doing that, and so they needed the family. We are saying the same thing, that when you're baptized, you're also coming, you're also saying, hey, I'm coming in to the family of God, which only reinforces that we do not do this alone. We do not, we are not called to this life alone in Christ. Now, God is our soul sufficiency. Our, our salvation is satisfied solely in Christ, but yet he has given us the church, the body of Christ, and we are meant to go through this life together again as a family of God in unity of spirit and truth. So although we have individual responsibility, we have a communal call. We talk about knowing and being known, the importance of working to know and be known, being intentional to step towards others' life, to know them in real ways, and being vulnerable enough to take the risk to open yourself up to be known, keeping your need in the light, not being ashamed because you have been made whole in Christ. Perfect love casts out fear. When you have experienced the perfect love of God expressed in Christ liberating you, then you can be bare before people. That's wonderful. So we talk about knowing and being known, and that takes time. It takes proximity. That's the picture. So we serve and support one another in life as well as organizationally. We bring others along in all that we do, whether it's wasting time or doing something purposeful. If you're serving somewhere, again, specific vision for here. If you're serving somewhere, bring some along. If you're serving somewhere consistently right now in meaningful ways, let us know so that we can mobilize people to go there with you. That's how we're going to serve our community is by you leading out and us coming alongside. We say we're better together for the glory of God and the good of others. That's the expression of this. We also serve alongside here on Sundays and other events. Again, this is part of who we are. It's an important thing for us to gather together. And while church is not all about Sunday, it, Sunday is a big part of it. It's where we get unified in vision. It's where we come together. When else do we all get together throughout the week? We have four or five or six church-wide events in a year. That's not many. We do that on purpose. We want to leave time for you to be with your neighbor, with your family, with whoever. But yet, this is, imp so this is important. It also takes time. So we want you to come alongside and support. We need you to come. And, and also, it just fights consumerism. We all are consumers. And the church has fostered that over years and years and years. We want to fight against that. God has, God has invited us in to give of ourselves, to follow his example of giving all of himself. And this is a little way, but a big way at the same time. So come alongside. It's rich. It's fun. It's sanctifying. And it's God-glorifying. And it helps. It just helps each other. We need people to serve. Hey, you're going to hear afterwards. You can sign up to serve. Free commercial. Okay. But seriously, though, like if you want to really experience the joy, the fullness of joy, this is a, that's a big part of it, of being a part of the body of Christ. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try to condense down the last couple of verses because we're counting up now instead of counting down. Um, can we just do part two next week? Um, you know, it, it says teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and and you know, like I said a minute ago, when we think about discipleship, we think about information transfer, and, and it definitely goes way beyond that. The first things of faith are important. When someone comes to faith, we want to teach them a biblical understanding of who God is, of who Jesus is, of what the work of salvation is, why we need salvation, what the church is, what the church looks like, what the church does, what your responsibility is personally and collectively, all that. That's the first things of faith, and it's important to build those in, and that is just time of teaching, but it also is caught by time spent. So we want to do that well. We do that through a few different ways, and again, 
I'm not, I don't want this to be commercials. I want this to give you the full view of what we do. We have, a trans, we have transformation groups, and one of the ways we teach First Things of Faith is through our, our one that works through a curriculum for the entire year, and that is a great curriculum. Uh, and so it, we'll start another one in the fall. Um, but, but we also have just groups where we come together and, and sit in God's Word and we study. But we have to be a people that build each other up. That, and, and thinking about the term disciple-making, it expands our view beyond that information transfer again. Once again, it's that, it's that time spent that is transformational and relational by sharing the truth of God and also living it out with one another. To be a disciple of Christ is not to know a lot. It's not. It is to be learning what it is to be like Christ. It is, it is to be, uh, it is to, it is to just to be. That's what it is. And what we are to be are people marked by love. I already said it earlier, but the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then it says the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. So our heart is that we would live as a transformed people that are also continuing to be transformed, but that we are marked by the love of God who are being transformed by his truth and we're excited about it so we share it. We don't just teach because we're supposed to. We don't just teach so that we can do behavior modification. We teach because it matters. We teach because we're being affected and impacted and transformed and that fuels our urgency to teach. Our call is to equip Our call is to build up. That is the role of us as the priesthood of believers to build each other up to to being, again, what God created us to be and has called us to be. So we want to equip. We want to reach, build up with the first things of faith, equip, helping people know how to use their gifts, and then unleash. We absolutely must unleash. We see a great picture of the generational extension of true disciple-making in 2 Timothy 2.2, and it says, and what you have heard from me, so it's Paul saying to Timothy, that's one and two, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Timothy teaching another, another people, that's three, who will be able to teach others also. That's four. So, and it goes on and on. It doesn't stop. And again, not just information transfer. It is, it is the transforming work of the truth and fellowship of God. We want to do that through, again, intentionally making disciples relationally, reaching people and walking alongside them, also through church planting. We want to plant churches. We are working towards planting churches. Church planting is a natural flow of disciple making. We are developing right now a church planting strategic team. Travis Jane and Wade's leading that up, and it's to help us discern and understand how we are to work to move forward to actually plant a church and not just talk about it. Now, this is not, I don't want to make this like a definitive statement that we at the bridge are doing this. This is something I want to do. I haven't talked about it or prayed about it with anybody. So this maybe will be like one of our first thing is elders, I don't know, but I would love to see that if by the beginning of uh, 2017 that we are kicking off a residency to send out a church. That would, we've got to put some effort, some concrete effort into sending out people. And again, it's not about extending the name of the bridge, it's about sending out people who are God's image bearers, living as a people for his glory and for the better of those that they go to. So, we want to. We want to do that. We are. We, we have to do that. It's it's a natural, a natural extending of of disciple making, and then I think yeah we'll wrap up with this. 
Thank you for your patience. So Jesus started this mandate with a promise when he said, all authority has been given to me. And now he ends it with a promise. And he says, and behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So let us be reminded of, of, of something we see somewhere else in Scripture. De- Deuteronomy 31.6, another promise, the root of this promise. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So what more do we need for courage? We're being, we have a huge vision. God has given us a huge vision. A global mandate is way beyond ourselves, way beyond our ability, way beyond our scope of imagination. That's what he's given to us. It, and it should be terrifying in some ways. But yet we also have the greatest promise. We go forth in his authority, his sovereign, holy, majest, majestic, <laughs> majestic authority, I thought I'd let you know what I almost went to. So, um, But we go forward in that authority, and then he promises that he'll be with us all along the way. And so what else do you need for courage? Do you trust the Lord as he makes himself to be trusted? Are you willing to go where he says go, knowing this? Hopefully it gives you courage. Hopefully you see the care of God. He's not out there, again, just cracking the whip. He's inviting you in and saying, come along with me. This is what I'm doing, and I will do it with you. So, so much more to be said. Um, hopefully, this leads to great conversations and just shapes our, our future. We, just so you've heard them at least once, uh, to get our values and our mission statement out there, I won't even expand on them at all. Um, we can let that be future conversations. But to share our values and our mission statement, and let me just tell you why they matter, why we've developed these little, little encapsulated things. It's because they help, they help and serve as filters and a guide for the decisions that we make. These are not scripture as far as when we say these things. These right here, this is not verbatim scripture, but they do come from the word. Again, I'm not going to give you all that apologetic now. We can, you can go to our website or we can have conversations about that. Um, but they do reflect God's leading in his word, and they reflect, we feel like, the priorities he's given us in this place and this time as the people of this local church. And so it's that we would live together in community, that we would live missional to the community, living out the mission of the incarnate Jesus, seeking and saving the lost, disciple-making. That I just expanded, I'm sorry. Um, can't help it. That we would find ourselves living under biblical authority, submitting to the full truth of God as he makes it known to us. And that we, find, we would find ourselves living in biblical freedom, both in personal conscience, also in social justice and activism. That we would go where Jesus would go and not be limited by anything. Whether it's conservative Christian culture or the political right or left, that we would just go where Jesus would go. And that comes from biblical freedom. And then finally, we would find ourselves being committed to multiplying disciples and churches. Those are our core values, and we, uh, we express kind of our core mission in a mission statement that says we commit to a journey of transformation together toward Jesus for the glory of God. So you at least heard them once. Let's talk about them more conversationally and any other time. But this is what we want to center on. If you're part of the bridge, this is what we want to be about. Um, thankfully, we, God accepts us all just as we are. That's what we want to do as a church, accept all just as they are. Thankfully, God doesn't leave any of us just where we are. 
We want to do that as a church, walk alongside others. God transforms us, and we can participate in seeing others transformed by him. So my prayer is that we would not just do church or program, but that we would learn to love and live as a people for the glory of God, holding out the light of Christ, building each other up and teaching his word, celebrating and suffering together, and sending each other out with great conviction and joy. And we do it all to the glory of God. So thank you for hanging with me. I know that was a little long, but I do want us to spend some time praying. We end every sermon with a time of prayer. And, uh, and if you would like to pray out loud, pray out loud. If you would like to pray silently, pray silently. If both of those are weird to you or just maybe not today's your day to do that, we invite you to listen and hear the hearts of the people of God lifted up. Um, and, and so pray in response to what you've heard. Pray as the Lord leads. And then we'll come into a time of communion where Travis will lead us. I'll start us off in praying, and then you continue from there. And so, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your great love for us that you saw, or that although we had sinned against you and brought the wounds and the pain on ourselves, God, Lord, that you had compassion and grace and you sent your son, Jesus. Lord, before we changed and so that we could change, so that I could be changed. Lord, we thank you that it is a a transforming work done by you. Lord, I pray that we as a people would be a people that live with grateful hearts because of that. We would be a people that live with purposeful lives, wanting to take that same work to the world. Lord, we thank you that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to liberate, and we thank you, and we are in awe, and we're humbled, and we're scared that he left that to us, your people, your church. So God, I just pray against just seeking to make it comfortable. I pray against just having our eyes kind of closed in just to our little world. But Lord, work in us. Work in us to take the risk to go where you say go. To step out of what's comfortable, to step into the awkwardness, to step into the risk. Lord, so that you could be glorified and people could know freedom in Christ. And people could walk with you. So Lord, let us have just lives that reflect your heart. Let us love and care for one another richly and deeply and also rejoice in sending out as you lead. God, our lives are yours. Our church is yours. We're not here to build our kingdom but yours. Let us not be a forgetful people. Let us be ones who remember. In Jesus' name.